The following audio content is a talk given at the Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theinnseattle.org. We invite you to join us each Tuesday at 9 p.m. on the corner of 16th and 47th in Seattle's U District. My name is Hannah, and yes, I am an intern here at the Inn. And if you haven't been told this yet, I just want to say a Merry Christmas to you all. Um, But yes, I am seriously so stoked to be here right now, and I hope that uh, you have felt welcome so far. I'm also really excited to share what I've learned about Luke 15 with you guys tonight. But before I get started, I want to do some quick speed date facts about myself. Uh, First, I'm from West Seattle, and this last June, I graduated from the University of Washington. Go dogs! Um, So in the photo, that's my dad, me, and my mom. Super excited that I graduated. I made it. Uh, Another fun fact is that I am an only child, and... um, I think the next photo shows me reading a book to my best friends. Uh, Some of you guys might be able to relate. Uh, And another, I think, important thing to know about me is that I love to dance. No matter what event I go to, oh, yeah, um, no matter what event I go to, the dance party is always my favorite part. Uh, Up on the screen here is one of my favorite pastimes to do. It's, uh, I love looking up YouTube dance tutorials and learning new dance moves. And so I thought I would show um, my favorite one right now is by this YouTube sensation, 14-year-old Jordan Jones. And so I'd love everybody to stand up and we'll get to learn a few of her moves. Yeah, yeah, let's get up. You can do it. <laughs> We're going to call this slide roll down. Okay, slide so roll down. There we go. Five, six, seven, eight. Slide, slide roll down. There you go. Try again, try again, try again. Five, six, Ready? seven, eight. Slide roll down. Yeah, this is good. So, at number nine, we're going to call this roly poly. This is my favorite one. It, but I think it's funny and it kind of matches it. Ready? So, five, six, seven, eight. Roly and poly. <laughs> five. Super easy. Seven, eight. Roly and poly. So, number eight, this one's for my music video. I'm Dappin'. This one's kind of hard. This one's kind of hard. Push, roll. Five, six, seven, eight. Push and roll. One more time. Five, six, seven, eight. or Bokes, however you say it. And you might have seen it on my Do It Like Me challenge on Instagram. She's really good. If you did it, this is how you do it. Five, six, seven, eight. Punch, punch, punch. One more time. Five, you can all do six, it. Seven, Ready? Eight. Ha, ha, yeah. All right, yeah, that's good. That's good. Okay, you guys can take a seat now. Thank you for doing that with me. I'm glad. <laughs> that was good, that was good. The Roly and Poli. Um... Now you guys can all walk away from tonight and the next party you go to, you can break out some really good moves. Uh, Yeah, so yeah, thanks for doing that. Um, uh, Another great uh, and important fact about myself that I love to share is that I am adopted from China. Uh, I've had a lot of people like Ryan Church back there uh, get really confused because my last name, Sasaki, is Japanese, but I tell people that I'm Chinese. Uh, Church was even so scared uh, about confronting me about this discrepancy that it took him two years to ask me about it. (laughs) So I just wanted to lay that out there for you guys. 
So I was born in the Ponyan district of a city called Guangzhou, which is just north of Hong Kong. And in China during the 90s, I don't know um, if you guys are aware, there is a one-child policy. Uh, and this meant that couples were only allowed to have one child. And this, um, or they would have to pay a large fine. For middle and upper class families with money, this wasn't really a, a big deal. They could afford to have two children. Um, but for the majority of the population in China, this meant that they needed to get rid of any additional child. And in traditional Chinese culture, it's customary for the sons to grow up and take care of their family while daughter, daughters would grow up and they'd move away and be with their husband's family. Because of this, girls were seen as dispensable and essentially worthless. And this was the same for me. I was born on March 17th, 1994, and the very next day, I was left in a marketplace. I was only a day old, and already someone had looked at me and said, you're not worth it. In a country of over a billion people, my life was seen as insignificant. And that's, I think, important to remember as we continue our series tonight um, and examining not what the world has to say, but what Jesus has to say about the small things in this world. Um, if you'd please, please pray with me. Um, dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for every single person in this room that came tonight. Um, I thank you for your word and letting us get, in, get into it tonight. Um, I pray that your truth would just speak through me um, and people would be able to know more about you at the end. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we are going to be talking tonight about the parable of the lost coin, which is found in Luke 15. And for those of you who may not know, a parable is essentially a story with a symbolic meaning or purpose. Jesus often spoke to his friends through and followers through parables, which I probably would have gotten annoyed with if I was them, but... I believe that he chose to speak in parables because they really just answer the question of who Jesus is. What is he about? And I'm a big fan of context, so I think it's, I think it's important to know what's going on. So I'm going to start reading before the story of the lost coin in the beginning of Luke 15. It says, um, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. And he actually told them a series of three parables, but we're just going to be focusing on one tonight. So in this situation, we have um, a lot of different players. And the first group we have are the tax collectors and sinners. Um, and the tax collectors were essentially people whose job it was, was to collect Jewish, Jewish citizens' taxes, which is pretty obvious from their name, and pass that money along to Roman officials who were occupying the land. Um, the only problem is that tax collectors would often force people to give them more money than their tax amount, and then they would just keep the extra money for themselves. And because of this, they were extremely disliked. Uh, they were considered stingy, selfish, immoral, just anything bad. And then we also had the sinners, uh, who were just the societal outcasts of the community. The prostitutes, the poor, um, just the people no one wanted to associate with. 
The second group of players that we have in this text are the Pharisees, and they were a group of elite uh, religious Jewish leaders. They essentially ran the place. They were the most educated, they were the top dogs, uh, and they were seen as the only people who could uh, interpret what the Old, Te Old Testament law meant. They set the rules for the Jewish people and thrived off the power that it gave them. And I thought that it made sense that the word Pharisee stems from the Hebrew word Pharis, which means separated, because this is what they were all about. Um, they, this is also why they were grumbling and really just hardcore judging Jesus for hanging out with the tax collectors and sinners, because he was essentially breaking down these walls that the Pharisees had worked really hard to build up. And through a series of three parables, Jesus is responding to the Pharisees and defending his involvement with those who are lost. Uh, so we'll just skip to the second parable that we will be focusing on tonight, um, Luke 15, 8 through 10. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Um, so it's a pretty straightforward and short story, right? And I had a couple of uh, first thoughts when I read this the first time. And the first is that, I thought it was really cool that Jesus uses a woman as the main player in a time when women were seen as property and not equal to men at all. So go Jesus. Uh, second, I really just wanted to know what the value of this coin is. I didn't know if the audience that, that Jesus was talking to would think that this lady was crazy for extensively searching for a little coin or if it made sense that she reacted the way that she did. Um, well, lucky for us, there's these things called footnotes in your Bibles, and they essentially just give fun facts or pieces of knowledge about certain verses. And in my Bible, there's a footnote that explains that the 10 coins that the woman had would have been Greek drachmas, uh, which would have been the same value to a Roman denarius, which equals one uh, day's of work. So if I, I just, if I lost you in that, um, the coin that the woman would have lost would equal one full day of working. And in 2016, uh, a full day of working, eight hours at Seattle minimum wage of $15, would be $120, which I think is a lot of money. <laughs> um, and furthermore, I learned that the mention of the woman owning 10 coins means that this is literally all she had. This means that the coin that she lost had tremendous value to her. Okay, so I'm going to do a quick shout out. Uh, I have the coolest boyfriend. He's sitting back there, JD. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think there's a photo. So, yeah, here's, a, here's the first... Yeah, this is the first photo we ever took together freshman fall quarter, uh, and we've been dating ever since, so it worked out pretty well. Um, we started, you can take it down now, but um, uh, we started uh, dating during Christmas time, so it's always been a fun time of the year for us, and last year, yeah, uh, um, last year for Christmas, we spent a whole day together, and it was great. 
We went ice skating. We went out to dinner. We saw a movie. And then at the end of the night, JD comes up and he hands me this present. And I'm like, awesome. And and so I open it, and I'm just shocked because they're a pair of these nice Beats earphones. I'm like, oh, he, he knows that I love listening to music and that I've really only been listening with the cheap $10 pair of earphones. Um, and so this was a really thoughtful gift. And I, I thought it was funny because when he handed me the present and I opened it, he actually said, please don't lose these. They're really nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, no, I won't lose them. I love them. Thank you so much. Uh, fast forward, uh, I end up using them every day. I, you know, walk to class, listen to my music, riding the bus, listen, use them. And one day I go and I open my drawer that I keep them in and they're not there. And so I go find my purse and my bags. I look through them, still not there. And so I'm starting to freak out a little bit. I text my house group me and I'm like, SOS, emergency, I can't find my Beats earphones. Please let me know if you see them. Um, a week goes by, still no sign. And at this point, I'm just really <laughs> freaking out. These are great headphones, they mean a lot to me. Um, and I even have my friend Claire and I plan this like operation mission, underground mission where we snuck over to JD's house and we planned it so that nobody would be there while we were there. And we looked through it all to see if the earphones were there. And I didn't want anyone else to be there because I didn't want JD to find out that I lost them. <laughs> um, <laughs> So that mission was a fail. We could not find them anywhere. And so at this point, I'm just like, all right, I must have lost them. It's, I can't find them. And so I'm working up the courage and the, you know, the mental bravery of going over and telling JD that I did exactly what he said not to, and I lost these great earphones. And so I start just, I grab one of my jackets in the closet, and I'm about to go over there. And I reach in my pocket, and I found them. So, um, yes, and some of you guys might be sitting there thinking, wow, she's being a little overdramatic for a pair of earphones. But to me, those earphones meant a lot. I knew what their worth was. I love who they, where they came from. Um, and in the same way, I think in this parable, people could think... Um, Look, read this and think, oh, why is this woman freaking out? It's just a coin. But the woman knew that this wasn't just a a penny or a dime. Um, She knew that it had value. And um, I think that's really important to think about. So uh, what does this mean for us? Well, it deepens our understanding of Jesus's heart for the lost coins. Through this story, he's telling the Pharisees, that even though it doesn't make sense to them that he's hanging out with um, the imperfect people of this world, the tax collectors, the societal outcasts, it makes perfect sense to him. Jesus is saying that his purpose in leaving heaven, coming to earth, dying on the cross, was not to hang out with the self-righteous, but to love the lost, the people who are lonely, anxious, insecure, just searching for something. In Mark 2.17, Jesus asks, who needs a doctor, the healthy or the sick? I'm here inviting the sin sick, not the spiritually fit. And here's the truth. 
we're all lost. We're the coins that the woman is looking for. When I first read this parable, I'll be honest and say that I thought of a lot of other people who um, I would consider as lost. And then I immediately felt convicted uh, because I realized that anyone who is looking to the world to fulfill the deepest cravings of their heart is lost. Um, Henry Nouwen does a great job of explaining this in a quote. It says, addiction might be the best word to explain the lostness that so deeply permeates contemporary society. Our addictions make us cling to what the world proclaims as the keys to self-fulfillment, acclimation of wealth and power, attainment of status and admiration, lavish consumption of food and drink, and sexual gratification. I, I'm the lost coin whenever I search for unconditional love in these things. Um, Self-fulfillment, money, a great job and resume, or overconsumption of whatever feels good in the moment. I, I struggle with that. Um, I, yeah, in the beginning of my life, someone looked at me and said that I wasn't good enough. And today, I look for anything that will say otherwise and will affirm my self-worth. I look towards likes on social media. Um, I search for self-worth in the people around me, my friends, my relationship. Um, I'll start doubting myself and I'll ask like, do they really like me? Do they think I'm funny or smart? Do they think that I'm worth hanging out with? And I, I overthink what they say and how we interact. It, I just, I crave the feeling of being wanted um, or feeling worthy. And in this world of billions of people, I, I just, I want to matter. But no matter how many likes I get on Instagram or how good a compliment feels, um, I always just want, I always want more because that feeling goes away. It doesn't satisfy me. So I'll keep looking for the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And soon I don't even know what direction to turn or where else to look at. And I'm lost. And I'm lost with a list of things that I've done searching for value in this world. And I don't know where you're at in your faith right now. Maybe you've never heard of this Jesus guy, or maybe you've been a Christian for most of your life. But I just want you to hear this wherever you're at. Jesus is seeking after you. Um, just as the woman in our story sweeps away the dirt, brings light to the darkness, and does everything in her power to make sure that the coin doesn't remain lost, Jesus is doing the same and more for you. Um, he's pursuing you and he's eager to find you. He doesn't want you to keep wandering around just grabbing at anything that'll give you a momentary high. He wants to find you and overwhelm you with love. And he wants to say to you, you are good, you are important, you are my beloved and on you my favor rests. And you know what's radical is that we can never be so lost that Jesus can't find us. I want to change the language of this parable I think that the story shouldn't be called the parable of the lost coin, but the celebration of the found coin. Because the story isn't about how the coin is lost. It's about the coin being found. Uh, Luke 15, verse 9, it says, And when she finds it, um, oh, and that's cause for celebration. And Luke 15, verse 9, it says, And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, 
Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. The best thing about celebrating, I think, is that you get to do it with other people. Um, When the woman finds her coin, she invites her neighbors and all her friends to come over. Uh, And in the same way, I think we're supposed to bring in other people into the celebration of being found. I think it's cool that the woman invited everyone she knew over to her house to celebrate with her, not just the people in her living situation, not just her close group of friends. Um, She invited everyone. And this woman, she just wants others to experience the joy of being found. Every August 14th, uh, my parents and I celebrate what we call my gotcha day, uh, which is a day that they came and picked me up in China, and they got me. Um, And growing up, this was seriously one of my favorite days. I would wake up, there'd be balloons and signs around the house. My dad would come home and bring me flowers. Um, And we got to eat my favorite meal for dinner, which is burgers, by the way. Um, It was, my gotcha days were more special than my birthdays. And I, I mean, I would wear paper crowns, which was great. But even in this photo, see, my hand is wrapped in a plastic bag because I had just previously fallen into a campfire and burned myself. But if you look at my face, I'm still so happy <laughs> because it's gotcha day. It's a joyful day. <laughs> and um, it's, it's not joyful just because of the presents and the flowers I would get. It's joyful because it marks the moment that my life changed forever. It's a day that my parents came and said to me, you matter, and nothing you do will change my love for you. I don't care how the world sees you, and I don't even care how you see yourself, because I see you as my beloved. You are my child, and in a world full of billions of people, you matter to me. Every August 14th, I get to rejoice that I've been found and adopted into this unconditional love. And whether you are feeling lost or maybe you're just even feeling complacent in your faith, this parable is an invitation for you to celebrate your own gotcha day, to rejoice in the truth that Jesus has found us and freed us from the exhausting search of finding value in this world. Will you please pray with me? Um, Dear Jesus, I thank you so much uh, for the way that you just never stop searching for us. Um, I thank you that you won't leave us in our state of remaining loss. And I thank you for the celebration we get to have at knowing that we have your love unconditionally. I pray for the people in this room. I pray that they would just come and really understand how much you care about them and how much you really are seeking out for us seeking out us. Um, I pray a blessing over the rest of the night and this week. And in Jesus' name, amen.